Uh, when was the last time, Colin, that you said Bulwark? Tuesday. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Worship Review. I'm your host, Colin, and I am a history professor and occasional podcaster, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Tyler. Hi, I am also a podcaster and a linguist. And this is The Worship Review, and in this podcast, we try to charitably, but also critically, analyze the texts of songs that are sung in Christian churches. Right now, we've been looking at songs that we would call fives. That is, we rate every song on the podcast out of a scale of one to five. And fives are pretty rare on this podcast, and maybe Tyler and I are grumpy, persnickety, pedantic people, but also maybe there just aren't that many great worship songs. And so we thought to ourselves, we should expose the audience of this podcast to some songs that are truly great songs, that are songs that Tyler and I would give a five to, or at least that one of us would give a five to. And so Tyler and I are alternating picking songs that we think of as five. Now, some of these songs are not necessarily well-known. Others of them will be very well-known, such as the song that we are going to look at today, which Tyler has brought before the court of the Worship Review, composed of me and Tyler. So the song is A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, as performed by Tommy Bailey, Keith, and Kristen Getty. Of course, written by the great Martin Luther King Jr. (laughs) The Protestant reformer Martin Luther King Jr. That's right. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer. So, um, yeah, Tyler, I guess I'll start by asking you what this song is about. Happily. So just a, just a broad overview of the song. Uh, I want to make a, a caveat at the very beginning. Um, this is an English translation of a song written in early modern German. And uh, the English translation was made by Frederick Henry Hedge, who is, or was, I should say, a transcendentalist and Unitarian. So uh, while I can say I like this song, I would just caution listeners, be careful about uh, the translator and some of his other other work. But uh, the, the, the most common text in English is this one. And so that's why I chose this one. If you have heard a version of this, it's probably um, Hedge's translation, unless you're dealing with uh, a newer Lutheran hymnal. And uh, this song really is about a God being uh, a powerful uh, fortress and an aid in battle. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, violent war imagery in this, um, and it's one that exalts God and exalts Christ. And uh, inc- I think it's an encouragement to people in times of distress and 
um, fear. And I think uh, it's a it's a good song for our own time uh, as well. So I mean, we're not we're not in the middle of a Protestant Reformation, but uh, we are in the midst of kind of shaky times. And uh, this this hymn, I would say, has stood the test of time. It's based uh, primarily on Psalm 46, the opening lines of which are, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And I think you can see that uh, this song really does emphasize God's steadfastness and his um, yeah, his his being a fortress to us, a refuge in trouble. So that's a overview of the song. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the first stanza. A mighty fortress is our God Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Let's stop there, Tyler. Uh, what do you think? Okay, so in this first, I'll call it a stanza. Um, our God is uh, interestingly plural, right? It's so it's it's acknowledging a kind of. A, group of people a, a collective of people i think in in luther's time he he would have understood that as being that of um, protestants exclusively um and our god is a mighty fortress so in this english text uh the fortress itself is mighty is is strength and is strong and powerful and it's a bulwark which is an interesting uh noun to use because uh, when was the last time, Colin, that you said bulwark? Tuesday. Tuesday. No, I've, it's been a long time since I've said bulwark. <laughs> so this is it's this is a funny a funny word. It it essentially means fortress. So you could imagine it saying a mighty fortress is our God, a fortress never failing. Um, but it, it actually comes. It's a compound of bull and work, um, where a bull is a tree stem or a very big piece of of wood. And work um, means uh, a craft, something that's manufactured or produced, and like work. And it's curiously enough cognate with um, Greek ergon, so uh, work um, also means to work or perform. So we have this um, tree, tree-made fortification um, that never fails, or I think more accurately put in here in English. With this present participle, never, never failing, um, a bulwark that um, does not fail. Uh, his all yeah. his designs always come to pass. Always steadfast. Okay, it, it you can really see those first lines of Psalm forty six right here. Now the song does kind of depart from them, although not in a way that is any way troubling. It's just kind of. It just kind of riffs on some of the ideas in Psalm 46, but with a very New Testament, we might say, kind of aim. But even here, our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Now, flood is just a metaphor for talking about mortal ills. But of course, in the psalm, 
verse three talks about the waters roaring and foaming, um, which, you know, is meant to be uh, obviously describing tumult uh, in the midst that this city of God, this fortress of God is in the midst of. And, and so there's a nice connection there too. Absolutely. We can, we can think back also to another Psalm and also uh, a passage from second Samuel where um, David cries out and declares God to be a mighty fortress. So uh, I'm thinking of second Samuel 22, but I'll, I'll also read from Psalm 18. Um, so second Samuel 22 opens this way. David sang to the Lord, the words of this song, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you save me. And mm-hmm. um, Psalm 18 opens similarly, um, but verse 3 also says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. And what I like about this other than it being holy scripture and incredible is that um this is really a uh this is a song of praise to god and i think we see a lot of songs in the modern era uh in in our day and age which um they might make a, a reference to god being steadfast they might um they might praise him for being uh, good but rarely is god the um the object of praise for his nature of being steadfast rarely is that at- attribute of him praised in this way and when we have modern hymns that talk about um god delivering us from trouble or crying out to god in trouble often they they kind of jump over god being that refuge and look to uh, the resolution of trials in the moment, and I don't think this this song does that. Uh, a mighty fortress, I mean, uh, I think God is the the helper, the fortress, and the bulwark, being praised and being um, being sought out for His own sake. If that makes sense. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Wow. <clears throat> so here we have an ancient foe named uh, who is Satan, and he seeks to work us woe, to, uh, to perform uh, sadness and despair and hopelessness in this world. Um, and wh- another thing that I, I think I like about this is it's quite frank that um, Satan also has craft and power, but it's it's a much lesser craft and power. So his craft, and I think craft here means something more along the lines of slyness rather than um, being able to produce things. His craft and power are great. Uh, I mean, we see 
We see evil all around us in the world, and sometimes it can feel relentless. And armed with cruel hate, I think here uh, our modern years might tend to think of uh, you know hatred among people, and that's certainly part of this. But uh, bear in mind, uh, Satan's first sin is is hating God and envying God and uh, being jealous of God's glory and wanting that for himself. And so I think. Uh, he is he's armed with cruel hate, sowing hate among men, but also sowing hate uh, in men toward God. And uh, a, another line that emphasizes uh, the dire straits we would be in if not for Christ on earth is not his equal. So, yeah, this is making a lot of Satan here. It, it is. But it's not it's not inaccurate. It, it, that's right. So it's it, it, it is kind of weird to think about us commending a song for making a lot of satan but the song also uh makes quite clear who has the real power later on but uh i think this this can be uh, a comfort to people when when evil seems so strong i think this this song this this hymn sort of it, it validates those those fears and those concerns by saying you are right our enemy is uh, a very sly and a very crafty one. Uh, and he, I mean, he's called the Prince of Darkness later on in the hymn. Um, but I think as we'll see later on in this song, um, we, we know who has the real power <laughs> in this context. All right. So speaking of later on in the song, let's get to the next set of lines. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. This is obviously Christ, right, Tyler? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> the, the second half of that line makes that super clear, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah so the man of God's own choosing, uh, choosing the, the anointing uh, points to a Messiah, of course. Um, but I like this opening here. Did we, in our own strength, confide? We don't use this syntax in English anymore, typically. Um, but this is a this is a subjunctive. So were we to confide in our own strength? Our way of saying that now would be if if we, in our own strength, confided. If we confided in our own strength, exactly, right? exactly. Because because this looks like a past tense. Like, did we, in our own strength, confide? Question mark. Like past tense question. Uh, but that's not what's going on here. Um, were we in our own strength to confide, our striving would be losing. And I, I think this is very good and very scriptural. If we see the power of Satan and our um, and 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 the sin that he works in us and in the world, and our response is to think we need to get to work, um, I think we've missed the point. And all of that work, unless it's in Christ, would be losing work. Um, we would have no hope. And in fact, we do have no hope unless the right, the right man, man is on our yeah. side, which I, I just, doesn't that sound, it, it, 
like it almost sounds colloquial in this song it just it does <laughs> but it also i mean again you have to think about it a bit differently the the right man he's like he's our man he's our and so if you think about it in like in the way that this may maybe this is not quite right but i think of it almost like a woman would say that's my man like when she says that, she's not saying, like, that's just a guy over there. She's saying, like, that's the person who cares for me. That's the person who protects me. That's the person who watches over me and provides, right? That's my man. Mm-hmm. He's our leader. Yeah, and even that that phrase of being the right man, it, it implies that there is a specific job that only this man can do, right? Like, yes. when we say he's the right man for the job, we're saying um, this is a job that is uniquely for him. In fact, it has been chosen for him, right? The man of God's own choosing. Absolutely. The the work that's been chosen for him and the man that's been chosen for the work. Yeah. Yes. Which is very, very scriptural. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Christ was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. So it's right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, who is this man, Colin? Can we look into it? Tyler, dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Um, Tyler, Lord Sabaoth? What a what a mouthful is that? Lord Sabaoth, yeah. So th- this, is, uh, this is an interesting choice of words. The translator um, chose to just transliterate from German, which is transliterating from Hebrew. Um, rather than translate it. And in most modern Bible translations, you won't find the phrase Lord Sabaoth. You will find the phrase the Lord of hosts. And when it says Christ Jesus, it is he, Lord Sabaoth, his name, it, it's doing something very powerful there. It's every time in the Bible you see the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies being used, um, it's identifying that with Christ Jesus. So what I like about this, it's curious that this was translated by um, a universe or a Unitarian, excuse me, uh, because uh, he he at least translated this part faithfully that uh, Jesus Christ is the Lord of hosts. He is God himself. Um, this this right man is man and God um, from age to age the same. So he is um, he is transcendent and uh, more specifically, he is unchanging, immutable. Um, and he must win the battle. And one thing, I, I'll get to this later because I have uh, an informal Tyler translation of this song um, that I'll give. The German text is full of war imagery. And the English hints at that sometimes. I mean, we have that here. He must win the battle. Even the right man on our side implies sides in a conflict. Um but I think the German does a, a little bit of a better job of expressing all the the war imagery mm-hmm. in this. Um, yeah, because in in the English language, it seems like uh, the battle kind of comes out of nowhere. But then, if you go back to the Psalm, the Psalm is very much about a battle. Absolutely. So it it makes sense, and it 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 would make sense also that the German version, which is the version that. 
Martin Luther himself wrote in his native language, it would make sense then that that would have more battle imagery because he's drawing from the psalm. Yes. And here I think he may also be drawing from um, Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2. I'll just read some excerpts. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. I think that's hinting on um, if we were to rely on our strength, we would be losing. Uh, Verse 6, the Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. So he brings down to death and raises up. Uh, Verse 8, he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Verse 9, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might does one prevail. Verse 10, the Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. So I think he's, he, Luther is possibly having this in mind as he's composing this, that this man of God's own choosing uh, is the king to whom strength will be given um, and his anointed uh, whose power will be exalted. Excellent. All right, let's get now into the third set of lines. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through this, through us, excuse me. Yeah, so uh, again, we have this uh, conditional uh, phrase, and though, or and even if this world filled with devils should threaten to undo us, even if... Um, even if the world were flooded with devils who were um, leering at us from every side and, and ready to destroy us, um, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. So I think we can say we need not have fear because God will have the triumph here. And through us, through his people, uh, his truth will triumph. That's what I think is going on there. The Prince of Darkness Grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. I always found this stanza a little bit odd because earlier we learned that Satan is has no equal on the earth. But then now we're not even really worried about him. And then there's some little word that's going to fell him and we don't know what it is. So again, I'm sure you can explain all of this. But I always found this little section a little bit uh, clunky, maybe. I don't know, Tyler. Yeah. Help me 
understand it. Okay, well, let me say the continuity here with the first half of the stanza is that um, he he says in the first half, even if the world were filled with these devils um, threatening to undo us at all times, we'll not fear. And then here we see the prince of darkness, so uh, the leader of this wicked pack, um, and we don't even tremble for their leader. How is it possible that we could have no fear of this uh, this uh, prince of darkness? How is it that we can endure his rage? One little word shall fell him. And we're not talking about a magic incantation or something like <laughs> that. Uh, I think you have to read that little word. And it is, it is in, in German, word and then diminutive suffix. So um, what's... What's a good example of this in English? Um, I, I almost want to say like wordlet, but that wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, but. sure. <laughs> something like that. Uh, I think little word is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, or something like a wordlet shall fell him. And um, I, I wondered when I read this, if this is a play on words, um, because at the beginning of the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ is called the Logos, the word. And that's a short word, right? It's only five letters in, in Greek. Um, and in verse four, we have a kind of expounding on that word and it becomes clear who that little word is. And it may even be tongue in cheek, right? Because it seems almost, um, it seems almost irreverent to call Jesus a little word or, um, almost like you're, you're mocking. And, and I think what may be said here is that um, that is, in the eyes of the world, that is objectively how Jesus was treated on earth. No, he, he was not, yeah, by Satan and by his servants and by, um, I mean, people whom Jesus called sons of Satan. Um, and he said, your father is the devil. Um, he was treated as a one to be despised, right? We see this in Isaiah 53. Yeah. Um, he, he was the word diminished. It, yeah. was, it was the word diminished. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Mocked Before and men, so on. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Mocked, put with a mocking crown on and, and so on. So um, what is this little word or probably better said, who is this little word? We'll see in verse four. But this um, shall fell him is also interesting because, Colin, when was the last time you used the verb fell and not from the um, verb fall? <laughs> <laughs> not in the – yeah, I've used the word fell all the time, but yeah, not in the, that way. <laughs> right, because we use it for trees and very little more. Um, but fell in this context doesn't mean to fall over. It means to, to cut down uh, and kill, right? So one little word shall destroy uh, Satan. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, oh, face to them abiding. The spirit and the gifts are through him who is beside. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. So there's the sides. We see that again, Tyler. What else do we see in this passage? Yeah, uh, I love these lines here. Um, 
Jesus Christ, the Word of God, abides above all earthly powers. No thanks to those er earthly powers. So um, he always was, always is, and always will be. Um, he needs no recognition from kings and princes and emperors and presidents and governors, um, though he will have it one day, whether they want to give it or not, um, their knees will bow and he abides no matter who is in, uh, the dude abides. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> reference there, <laughs> but no matter who is emperor in Rome, no matter who is, um, king, uh, in your, um, province of the Holy Roman Empire, no matter who is the president in Washington, D.C., um, that word abides. He, uh, he exists and he uh, dwells and he inhabits and he does according to his pleasure. So I like that. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sides. So, or sideth, um, meaning sides. So we have the spirit of God through him, through the word of God. Him who with us sideth means Jesus. So Jesus sides with us in this conflict, in this battle. And through Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit dispenses to his church. So gifts of teaching, gifts of preaching, um, gift of tongues. And we, we have these gifts. They're sub, they rely on Jesus and us being in Jesus um, through his Holy Spirit. Uh, for us to have them. And I think in the context of this song, that's meant to clarify that in this battle in which we find ourselves, oh, these gifts are also weapons against the enemy. So that gets us to let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever. This is really the, the, the in my view, the most powerful part of the song, or certainly in competing for one of the most powerful parts of the song. What do you think about this section, Tyler? Yeah, this. I mean, these are just powerful also because they're so punchy. You have these little short sentences that just jab, jab, jab. But um, it also reminds you of what Christ said about, you know, being willing to leave yep. goods and riches and and family. He who does and, not forsake and, father and mother. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And Paul says about to live as Christ and to die as gain. I mean, it just it just brings the message home, which is great because the whole song talks about the inevitable victory. And so it kind of seems strange that the song would then say, yeah, but maybe you're going to die and lose everything. <laughs> yeah. Which is just a, a nice reminder that this is, uh, our victory is in Christ. It is not a victory that means that we get some kingdom or riches or whatever on in this life necessarily. It's about being part of a kingdom that is forever. Yep. As the end of the passage says. And, 
I think Jesus also makes this explicitly clear when he says, my kingdom is not of this world, right? If he wanted to, he could invoke war powers that this universe has yet to see. Um, and yet he emphasizes that his kingdom is not of this world. Um, and that's another reason why I like this song is that um, we have this this victory in Christ and it is not a guarantee that we will taste that victory in this life, right? Uh, we, they may take our wealth, our goods. They may take our family, our kindred. They may take our entire life, our biological life. They may kill our body, uh, and yet God's truth abides. And uh, as Jesus makes clear, um, in his Father's house, he's preparing a place for us, and he makes it clear that we should store up treasure in heaven and not on earth. Uh, and that uh, even if they take all of these things, we will receive um, a cr the crown of the victor. Um, and God's truth abides, God's truth persists, and his kingdom is forever. And I think uh, Luther may have been reflecting on Matthew ten twenty eight. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So do not fear princes and kings and um, soldiers. Uh, fear God and, uh, and abide in him through Christ. So that's what I think. Do you want to hear my, um, my translation of this, Colin? I would like to hear your translation, Tyler. May okay. it be adopted. It's not set to meter. So I just, I, I wouldn't, May it be spoken. It, I wanted to give a faithful rendering of the text that gives across the sense of the text as I read it as someone who studies older Germanic languages. I I, I won't read it in early New High German or early mo sorry early modern German. Thanks. That would just waste everybody's time apart from one listener that would be interested or. <laughs> like the one guy who's like, I've been waiting for some early modern German this entire time. Yeah, exactly. A secure fortress is our God, good armor and a good weapon. He helps us free out of all distress, which has now befallen us. The old evil foe means it now in earnest. Great might and much slyness is his terrible battle garb. On earth is not his equal. With our might is nothing accomplished. We would be quickly completely lost yet fights for us the right man whom god himself has chosen ask you who that is he is called jesus christ the lord of hosts and no other is god he shall conquer the battlefield and if the world were full of devils and wanted to completely devour us even then we would not be frightened very badly we will nonetheless be victorious the prince of this world how angry he presents himself. He cannot touch us. That is to say, he is dealt with quickly. A little word can slay him. That word they will let stand and receive no thanks for it. He is with us on the battlefield with his spirit and gifts. Should they take the body, property, fame, child, and wife? Let them all go. The kingdom shall remain with us. So it just, it, it it is it is similar to this translation. I think in some ways it's inferior to this translation 
but in some ways, I think it's superior to this translation. Only if you read it in an American accent, but if you read that with a German accent, <laughs> I think it would come across better. <laughs> Let the wife and child go. <laughs> exactly. His kingdom will remain with us. Sorry, uh, all you German listeners. <laughs> no offense. Um, but yeah, there are some things that make more sense, right? Um, like, let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life, the body they may kill. Um, and then it ends with his his kingdom remains with us. So even if they take all of that, they can't take his kingdom away from us. The English version, um, it's a little bit more eloquent, I guess, and it makes bigger statements that they don't flow necessarily as easily from each other as the German version. But just interesting. So one of you uh, ambitious listeners can set that to uh, singable meter and we can have the worship review version of uh, a fortress a secure fortress oh yeah yeah we'd have to change the title that's right well tyler i know that the last song that we did to start this series uh i was really i i brought it so it was obviously in my view of five but it was not necessarily a song that i would do in a congregational setting this song i would definitely do in a congregational setting i mean this is the words are awesome. This, there's scripture all over the place in this song. It's got a great message. It's, I mean, we haven't talked about this very often, but maybe we will a little bit. I will say one of my concerns with this song is just with, maybe it's in, maybe it comes out of the era that Martin Luther was living in, the, the types of songs and melodies that he had to work with. I find this song a little bit weird to sing. And I think the Getty version is you know basically the same version they add a little bit of a they have add a few rests here and there or you know little extra beats here and there to kind of mix it up or something but i do think just the melody and and pace of the song is very different than a modern worship song. And so that could make it a little strange for people. I don't think at all that's a barrier to singing it though, right? Can I respond to that? So I too would have no qualms about singing this in a church. And I too acknowledge the the rhythm, the, the meter and the tune are each clunky in their own way. And I chose this Getty version because, uh, it, ties the verses together well so in in many modern trend any any many modern versions of this you have a mighty first of all they sound slow and sad a mighty fortress is our god a bulwark never (laughs) failing and That's I'm, the way we used to sing it, Tyler. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not speaking of any particular version there, uh, but you can find many like that. And what I like about the Getty version is it's, it's upbeat, it's triumphant, and it ties the things together. So they go, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Did I ever complain to you when we did that song that way? Uh, you know, the kind of slow version with lots of space and say like, look, this does not at all fit the the content of the song. Like this song should not be sung like we're at a funeral. Like a dirge. <laughs> Did I say that to you? I certainly would have thought it if I didn't say it to you. 
You probably did say that to me. That seems like something I would say, because it involves complaining and telling other people they aren't doing things right. So I think I would have said it. In, in many versions of this uh, song that you'll hear sung, it's like you, you got to either do a choir or you have like a big organ, but like it's tough to do this song with a guitar because there's just not enough behind it pushing yeah. it. And so um, that is... The, the Getty version has got like these jungle drums going on, which kind of helped. Yes. Yeah. And of course, all the lovely reed instruments of of the... Uh, British Isles. Irish, yeah. Oh, excuse me. The Irish uh, region, but it's not the British Isles. All right. Well, Tyler, what would you give this song for a rating? It should be obvious, I suppose. Um, despite the clunkiness of some of the wording and the just obvious age of this translation, there are other translations available that are uh, a little bit uh, better in some ways and worse in others. I'll still give this song five out of five, and my quantifier is missed pickups. Because no matter what version of this song you do, there's always going to be a missed pickup somewhere. A missed pickup is when the song is going and someone jumps in early um, or jumps in late because the music doesn't carry it well enough to make it clear. And Once it's not 4-4, Tyler, this is just going to happen. Right? <laughs> I think nowadays, yes. <laughs> Without people like reading the reading the music itself. Colin, what did you give it? So... Um, I have given this song five out of five leprechauns. All right. Well, listeners, thank you very much for catching this episode of the Worship Review and enduring all of Tyler's terrible opinions. If you'd like to listen to us again, catch us next week. We release episodes most Mondays, not always. Sometimes we're traveling, but most Mondays we release an episode. And if you like, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, Tweet us, tweet at us at uh, elonmusk.com and yeah send us a donation if you like you can do that through anchor.fm slash the worship review you can find us at the worship and send an email it to feedback at the worship until next time take care you've been listening to the worship review please subscribe to the podcast leave a comment or email us at feedback at the worship we accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.